tēnā koutou. You're listening to a core education Tātai Ahorau podcast. In terms of equity, it's focused on very simple things which you could probably find in most communities throughout Aotearoa. And probably with most Indigenous groups throughout the world, we want to embrace our own world view. So we were looking for partners that were not wanting to do a McDonald's fast food service. Tēnā koutou katoa e nei, tēnei rā. I'd like to warmly welcome you to this session on equity allies. Ko kēth tāwhiwhirangi tōku ingoa. I'd like to now hand over to our fabulous presenters, Dr. Brendan Titifa Pukitapu, Te Punamātauranga o Whanganui, and Dr. Pam O'Connell from our very own core education. Really excited about this kōrea, anei te rākou mā kōrua nāinei. Kia ora. Tēnā tātou mā takitaki ana. Tēnei au he uri nō te tai o te uru, nō te tau he uro te waka. Tēnoa ko tāku rukai pō nō te awa o Wanganui. Koia nei te roe i wanga kai i au, i roto i ngā kupu kōrero taku pēpeha, e rere koumai te awa nui e, mai te kāwi manga ki tangawa, ko au te awa, ko te awa koa, e miki kawata. Kia ora koutou, uh, nā mahi nui Keith, lovely to have you with us, given that you're working in the rahi with us. Nā mahi nui kia koutou. Ko waio, ko Araki tumanga, ko a wataki te awa, ko waka waiti toko tūranga waibai he tangatutui hi ahau, ko Pama Connell. Aho, tēnā koutou katoa. So, my grandfather, he is the only other person in, in our whānau that is a teacher, plus me. And so he taught down in Southland, where I come from and was born. Key experiences that I've had in education, I started my education journey at Aranui High School and then moving through to learning media where I headed up a professional development unit and met Tifa then actually as part of work that we did together and the photo of the awa, Wanganui awa and we had three or four years together working in that space which we want to share with you and then I moved to the Teaching Council, Ministry of Education and now at CORE and loving that. So that's my background and that's what we bring to our mahi together. We began as treaty partners a long time ago, in fact, we're just working out it's about it's over 10 years ago and it began with a cup of coffee, as it does, and lots of whiteboards. We work to understand the opportunities to work together and our own positioning and our own responsibilities across the table. I came with a sense of curiosity, I guess, a sense of commitment to doing better for Māori. I'm Pākehā, as you've worked out from my brief mahi there. Tifa obviously comes to the table with his deep knowledge of Wanganui Iwatanga and also a deep career and long career in education. So we did find the opportunity and we want to share some of that together with you. Found the opportunity to work together on a three-year program and since then we've been in and out of each other's uh, educational lives, always looking to see seize the next opportunity to disrupt the system in the ways that Wanganui Iwi would like it disrupted. So just moving us through what we're going to talk about today, we asked ourselves many questions as we sat down to think about, so what is this relationship? Um, how did it work and how did it come about? And what does it mean for both sides and Crown and Iwi? What's a treaty partnership? So we asked ourselves, well, what is equity? Is it, is it a process or a journey? We tried to conceptualise our partnership so that we could understand it better. And we're going to share with you 
our initial disruption in a program, or we don't even like to call it a program really, it was a response in the Wangahoo Rohi. And that was our initial disruption. I really want to share what it meant to me over that these years, at these 10 years. I talked about being Tangata Thiriti, person of the treaty, and what that means for me now. I, for me, it's different from being Pākehā somehow. I'll try and explain that. So there are joint goals and shared responsibility in that narrative. And then leave you with some insights for those that are taking similar pathways. It's an ongoing relationship. It's never finished. And you will have different journeys to take. But I hope that we can leave you with some of those insights. So I'll hand you to Tatifa. I bring a lens that is only one of many in Wanganui. Uh, we're not homogenous, we don't all think the same, we don't always do the same things together. We are related by whakapapa, by relationship with each other and relationship to place. So when we were keen to look at what's going on in our education space, we wanted to understand what it meant to engage with others who were not us. These references around equity and what it means for us and equity and why we're focused on the notion of equity are about our interest to be engaging with like-minded people and like-minded organisations. So equity for us is a desire to seek relationships with like-minded people, organisations that seek fairness, that demand disruption, that share responsibility, that respect difference and shape decision-making. For us, equity has to be focused on those bulletin points as our what. It is not why we want to do that. It is what's necessary to achieve our why. Our why in terms of equity is focused on very simple things which you could probably find in most communities throughout Aotearoa and probably with most Indigenous groups throughout the world. We want to embrace our own worldview. We want that to be relevant and to be valued, not only for us, but for its contribution, its prosperity uh, to a nation, to Aotearoa. And we want to be able to do that in a way where we survive and we thrive in modern times. Being fully aware of how we got here, notwithstanding the context and circumstances that come with history, uh, but more importantly, what we do next, not alone, but together. And hence the relationship uh, that Pam and I have formed over some years to give expression to what it is for us to be working together and why, at least for Wamanui, uh, we see that as valuable and relevant to what we're doing today. I want to share just a, a little bit that lets you know where this all came from for, for me and for the organisations that I support at home. Remembering that these entities, these organisations are not the whānau, they're not the hapū and they're not the iwi. They are a means to achieve, to provide a vehicle that allows us to travel the destination in order for us to arrive where we want to be. Some years ago, and this probably ages me, we started planning much more formally, which is what 1990 represents. And as I have already mentioned, we sought to engage and find those organisations that shared similar ways of wanting to work together. That doesn't mean we necessarily agree on everything. It does mean that we have some confidence that working together is purposeful and shared. We look for a continuity of engagement. So we were looking for partners that were not wanting to do a McDonald's fast food service, take you in, give you a burger and then send you home. We were looking for those who wanted to be able to sit at the table often and enjoy the fruits and the benefits of what we put on the table. We wanted stable working relationships. We didn't want relationships that changed suddenly and were pretty much about the benefits of the other partner rather than us. 
we expected some shared view about that, not a dominated and vetoed view. We sought for a consistent voice in action, not only from whom we partner with, but also from ourselves. That was just as much a test as it is with the challenges of working with others. And we wanted to know that the people and the organisations we are working with wanted to be with us to navigate for the long term, that they weren't going to jump off the waka because they saw a better ship coming along. And we wanted to find our way and decide that those goals are being achieved. Those things form the basis of what Tupuna aspires to and still sets as its goals as it enters into relationships with individuals and groups, uh, even today. We came to this conceptualisation of our work together pretty early on, actually, but we did know that we were creating a different space. We called it the third space. I know it's got its literature of its own internationally, but really this was a space where we could look after ourselves and others. We knew that, you know, when Tifa's in his mana whenua place, then he doesn't need to explain anything to anyone. It is just known. And when I'm in Hetanga Tatriti spaces, I'm pretty well up with the play and what happens in those places as well. So we understand there are different ways of knowing and doing and being. And as we came into that space, we, by the way, use the term Hetanga Tatriti to mean all of those that come after the treaty, all of those waves of people. But it gives a special relationship. In that third space, it's a relationship rather than anything it's the most important thing because when we can challenge each other, we can question each other, we can come to know each other. And that's the way we started off. And how it happened for me as I stepped into that third space was Manawenua Tifa, i.e. Tifa and his mates, took me by bus and car and truck to all the really important places in the Arohi and went over some boundaries and talked about other places as well. I unlike myself normally, didn't ask that many questions. I just had to listen. And what I was doing was making sense of it for myself because I knew as soon as I said, oh, that's like, I was assimilating. So in that space, I was quiet, quite a hard thing for me. Uh, we, we came to places where we could ask each other, well, in tell Māori, how do you teach? How do you, people learn? And, and I was comparing that to what I understood to be really effective pedagogies. So we had those debates. So that place became a really important discussion, relationship building, trust building, and it has boundaries. I know when I can't be in mana a space or what I can't do, and on the other hand, he knows my strengths, how that comes about. And of course, once that was established, partly even before we went into our first response in the rohi, what happens there is that we were able then to make that an expression of our relationship and ask and invite educators to join in that uh, into that third space. In essence, we were trying to model what that treaty relationship was about. Tifa, do you want to, um, we had to carve it out, didn't we? So Tifa, you might want to say something more about that. The diagram where we've got uh, three circles uh, that are connected with the third space being the middle circle. If you were to translate that and get a picture in your mind of a whare, you would have the mana inua ways of knowing, doing, and being on what we call the taraiti side of the house, or the home people side. You would have the taranui being the manuhiri side, the tangata tiriti, ways of knowing, doing, and being, on the right-hand side of the house, looking 
into the house. And that middle space would be known as the awarua. It's the space which usually you can walk down. It usually has a couple of uh, pau, and it's holding up the tahuhu of the house, the ridgepole of the house. If you think about it that way, then you can come to understand that pools of knowledge that come from mana whenua and from tanga to tariti can be usefully used, employed, to hold up and brace the house. To brace the tahuhu that in my case belongs to Wanganui. It is certainly not about assuming or assimilating it. It is about finding ways to contribute from the knowledge bases that we bring to bear on, in this case, our interest in education to support the aspirations and goals of a people known from the mountain to the sea as Wamanui. The underlying essence of this is we learn to be more mindful of how we model what it means to be in the same house. Where one, you don't own the house, uh, but you're being invited to participate in the house, to be able to increase our learning and our understanding of each other in terms of the relevance we bring and the contributions we make. That way of placing a lens on the space of education is not a new idea, but certainly is a challenging one in times where competition, where tensions are pretty much pervasive from early childhood through the tertiary. I probably don't need to say much more about that. You probably have your own examples and experiences. The importance of the third space is to find a place where there is no domination of power from either the Tara'iti or the Taranui, that the kaupapa of the Awarua is what's important. And in this case, it's the education of our tamariki, our rangatahi, our taiohi in modern times. Koyera. It certainly became a challenge because bringing people into that space was a disruption in itself. And we will just try and take you through some of the things that we encountered and how we had to navigate them. We were lucky enough, we, we looked for an opportunity a couple of times and in the second opportunity from the ministry, we were able to secure funding for a three-year project. We called it to Kahu, but we didn't want it to be known as a project. We wanted it to be seen as a response because as Tipa will always say, we're always here. You people always come and go. So it, it's important that we didn't take that project mentality to us. We said that right from the beginning. It was part of a, a project you might remember, it was called Building on Success success, a national project. We were more concerned with or allied to about making that a local response because place matters in this mahi and I think we both feel that it matters. It's where the treaty plays out, it's where the power dynamics about schooling and communities play out. So that's why we wanted a local thing. We're not on about rolling out anything here. This is about an ongoing piece of work towards equity. So we had three years in, uh, at that time. We, we started out with seven secondary schools, which is a hell of a lot of schools when you think about it in a small rocky. And ostensibly we came with Kite that we would work with our schools. They invited themselves into the project rather than being told. Uh, they were very keen, I've got to say, from the outset because there was much pressure on them to start thinking about Te Ao Māori and where it comes in their curriculum. So it was a local curriculum, mostly driven by iwi in this space and the colleagues and paipai that was brought together to support that. And then 
I was bringing my experience of cultural capability, having had a little bit of that with my work with Russell and Mary. And so there'd been, I was bringing that and then I was placing it in that third space as an offering. And knowing that you always bring offerings to the third space, you don't bring demand. So I'll let Tifa talk about the official kind of relationships of the Kahapu. For those of you who understand um, the pre and post treaty settlement environment, you'll understand that uh, when you have a common foe, you have this cohesion about grievance and fighting uh, against your foe. And certainly Wanganui has had that with the uh, Wanganui River claim in its settlement of which, of course, uh, we're now on post-settlement with regards to the river. And so we have a view that our relationship with the Crown is with our paipai of the iwi. And that relationship doesn't just exist anymore in an iwi to Crown relationship. It exists at every level of society. So we talk about the renewal of treaty that occurs at the regional, the local and the community level. And we see schools as a site of renewal of treaty and hence the notion and the intent that we spoke about with the third space. So Tupuna is not the iwi, nor is the Ministry of Education the Crown. They are nonetheless the vehicles of bureaucracy and administration that we use as our means to achieve what it is that we aspire to as a people, whether that be that that's represented by the Crown's constituency or for us, the iwi constituency of Fano, of Hapu, and of course, the Confederation of Iwi. And we have invited through the Kākahu that we seek to renew what it means to relate with a strong lens on treaty in the education space. And fundamental to iwi was the notion that Hapu and Wano organisational constructs are real, are relevant and valued. And therefore, equally, the voices of community, not just iwi, community overall, are important. So while the notion and the intent of a strong relationship between the child and the teacher is seen to be fundamental to good learning, we as a people believe there's the missing element. That that's not sufficient. It also requires Aina to be front and centre, to be a lot more obvious, transparently visible and engaged in decision-making and activity that we now drive through compulsory schooling. What we'd like to do now is just take you through a couple of our challenges and how we navigated them. And then hopefully we'll have our, our video, which is six minutes, which takes you some of, through some of those other disruptions. But let me just talk about what we signed up to. So. The outcomes were defined by the ministry and there were 32 of them that were were defined and it was dominated at the time by that focus on NCA outcomes. And I I was, I guess, success for Māori, as they talked about, was defined by an achievement outcome. So it was all about closing the gaps, you'll remember that, and it was about attendance and retention and engagement and achievement. So equity wasn't really defined in the way that we're starting to imagine equity to be defined as. So we signed up because we were delighted to be able to have the chance to actually work together and see what we could we could do as as like-minded organisations really. So uh, there's two stories here. One is that in six within six months we went back to the ministry and said actually those 32 outcomes are impossible, and we'd like five, and two of them are actually established by and Wanganui Iwi. 
they accepted that. It was it was a really what I I say was an easy win in this space to navigate. They accepted that one of the key outcomes was success as na iwi as opposed to success as Māori because we knew we could define it better. Not me, my my treaty partner, and that gave them the right to be able to define it and think about it and link their curriculum to it and show some and, and, and actually make it a place-based approach. It also, for us, we be put into an outcome that said the increased demand for active involvement in learning by whānau and hapu and iwi. In most of the work that was done at, at that time and most of the projects, the schools, and they still are, are expected to make those connections with whānau and hapu and iwi. It goes from the school outwards. Whereas, in fact, this was going the other way. We, we called it the demand side. And we wanted to see that our Fano in particular was starting to be actively not involved, but by demand involved. So the picture is a story in itself. We've got two of our Fano up in front of a meeting, a hui. We had in our third space, which was physically not in the marae in this, time, in this space in this time, but in the iwi offices and or tapuna offices. And we didn't start with what the schools wanted. We started with what Farno wanted in terms of data. Now, data had become one of those issues where no one wanted to share it. And so, you know, there was all sorts of plots involved by the ministry, apparently, to get data. So we decided we started with the Farno. So we, we disrupted the, the whole situation here. And then those whānau faced the schools and said, and what can you do for us in terms of those things? So it kind of put everybody in a different space. They weren't up there presenting on their data. They were up, they were actually confronted by a group of parents. So that's the way we kept navigating. It seemed to make enough of a disruption to do two things. One was for schools to start thinking about, oh, that's data we haven't been collecting, and B, of course, our ministry to say to us, yep, that's important. We also said to the ministry, we want to, we want to be able to evaluate those two outcomes because I know, you know, because we knew we were going to have a super evaluation across success, the, the, the bigger program. So it was important to us that we had a hand in evaluating that as well. I guess the game changer was unlocking the assets in ways, and by assets we mean the ways in which the place at Iwitanga could be accessed by our secondary schools. So we're going to show you a video, but what I'd like to um, you guys to think about is what do you notice, and if you think, keep this in your head, the shifts in power relationships and the narrative that we're using about being uh, treaty partners and the outcomes for everyone in the community. The Meeting of the Minds at Putiki invited our community, it invited our schools, it invited our principals, it invited students, it invited educationalists to witness what it may look like when we start thinking about authentic ways and authentic places to assess to disseminate knowledge, but also experience of success as Ngāiwi. The joining of a world of a school with the world of the marae requires the school to hand over the decision-making over what is assessed, how it is assessed, and who determines whether the assessment is complete. The morning session 
before it was handed over to the principals to share their views on the last two and a half years. It wasn't about celebrating the last two and a half years. That morning session was actually about schools, principals, boards of trustees, Ministry of Education. Are you willing to take up the next challenge? And the next challenge is the potential of what we could do together about having kids succeed in front of their community. Because what I saw out there on the marae, that was the classroom. And it had observers, and it had people that were assessing, there was knowledge being handed over, there was knowledge received, there was mana that was enhanced by our students, there was a pride of our kuia and karaua to see our mokopuna doing these activities. This is what we were seeing in regards to a community of learning. What are you two fighting over? A rugby game? Let me take you back in time to a true battle that holds deep significance to the Wanganui people. The students got their NCA work, but they also then wanted to do something else with it. So they created something that had meaning for them in a context of something that was very protected, that knowledge the, of that battle. And you saw the reaction of the older people. They did this on a little island on the Wanganui River called Motua. It really embodied the whole concept of when you can have a local curriculum, but not by teachers taking that local, local knowledge and teaching it, but your community allowing you to teach that. You've been asked a natural performance to demonstrate to your home people that you are carrying what you've been taught in a manner that is consistent with their expectations. Uh, there was something more than its performance that was being connected to uh, by the people of home. It's invoking of memory, of relationships, as much as that which is shared in our history because we are their descendants. And to be able to share that in a way that invoked the spirit, the essence of what Motor was about, was captivating, not just in terms of performance, but for us because it created intangible connections with our past. These things are still alive with us today, and they are just as important for those students, for those tamariki mukapuna, in their lifetime for tomorrow. The morning was about how you marry that into in an authentic context and an authentic place which gave all those principles an insight to potential. That was the beginning of next steps. I don't think you can work in partnership unless you trust someone. As a school, when we use that word partnership, I can't do that unless we have trust. And I'd like to thank you for showing trust in us and for allowing us to be part of this journey. It's been wonderful to know that everybody is willing to share because if you are coming to that table, you have to be willing and open to give as well as take, but more give than take. Seeing these kids out there today, it's just, oh, it's just so proud um, because they've jumped on the walker and those kids there will all achieve. Yeah. This year, if all the stars line up, we should have an 85% pass rate at level two. It's hard to make that change, but we're changing and we're changing what we do. We're looking at ourselves in the mirror and thinking, how am I going to affect the learning of this kid? How am I going to make the aspirations that I've just talked to this whanau about for that kid there? The afternoon with the principals, it was awesome to hear their views on where they have come 
because it's been up and down. There's been standoffs on either side. There's been some tears. There's been frustration. There's been unbundling. There's been putting back together. And there's been some great positive views on how we were going to walk together. The value of the kākahu is that it's been a vehicle for us as collectors of iwi in relation to our schools, finding the way forward so that the relevance and value of iwi ways of knowing, iwi ways of doing and iwi ways of being are picked up in a shared space as opposed to being only in the private domains of our lives. We may do different things in our contribution, but they are all contributions that when linked together reach a crescendo and accelerate the very thing that we are seeking to support the learning, the achievement and the success of our tamariki mokopuna. Okay, so I hope you had a, a bit of a think about the different narratives that were coming out of that and the sorts of things that we were trying to demonstrate in terms of shifting the power. I just want to make one comment about the video and the scene that you saw at the beginning. The group of boys were performing something that had normally be learned in the deep dark of night in Wailunga up the river. And so it was a big challenge for Tamaho to bring it out in front and to be in front of his people and with these boys and I can tell you if you think that these kids were from a, a range of abilities they were actually mostly from classes that had been deemed not to get NCEA and you would have noticed that the Kuia decided on whether they achieved their standard and they differentiated as well it wasn't you know it wasn't a universal yes although you saw them with their hands in the air. What we were trying to demonstrate to the principals was where, and as, as Tifa said on the video, is where the decision should be made around the deep knowledge, then it should be lying in the iwi or mana whenua side of things. Um, so that's the first thing I wanted to say. And secondly, yeah, there were huge challenges and there were tears. I was very glad to, to know that I was going home on a Friday night and having time in the car to just unpack that the intense feelings it took for me to be in front of and be the boundary worker or walker, if you like, across the third space. As it was for Tamaho and Tifa, we had to really plot our way very carefully. So there were some ups and downs. What I think is really interesting now as we approach Aotearoa New Zealand histories and the new social sciences curriculum, this is the debate I heard this morning with our Māori historians. You know, it's trusting that you're putting some of these stories into the hands of teachers who may not understand the full development. I've spent the last, I guess, two years and different roles that I've had trying to think of what my responsibilities as her tongue of treaty as a member of you know, the people of the treaty what and I people ask me a lot about oh, how did you end up doing this work and I certainly didn't start out that way as you could see I've taken some insights from Tina Nata who wrote a, a it's a good length this one to a blog that she wrote but also thinking about another book I'd read on being a boundary uh, walker by Michael Lipsky but this for me it was always about what does justice demand of us I, I carried I was a history teacher so I carried the load 
but really never had the experiences of being a marginalised people. I found with working in this third space was I came to know my equity story. One of my colleagues challenged me and said, when did you get blood in the, in the ring? Or, you know, when did you really think that this was a really important thing for your future? It, she challenged me in a way that made me think about, so what was it that had done that? And I guess it, I, I came to know the kids, the people, their stories, and saw firsthand some of the impacts of colonialism. And of course, I'm a person of a history background, so I always love anything that's about the land and different stories. So I, I guess I got that uh, I, I got that side of it. It was really important for me to be the boundary worker. I was often a really difficult space when, when schools would ask me, we want this, this and this from Ewe, and I'd be in the middle saying, well, actually, that's, that's a piece of knowledge, or this is, it's not your right to demand that. It's Iwi's right to say, actually, in self-determination, these are the things we want Tamariki and Rangatahi to learn. And that, walking that power, was a tightrope. <laughs> and that's where the tears came, and not always mine. Also, I came across people who thought, oh, you know, Pam's really good at this stuff. She's got a great relationship. And would ask me to, to lead things in particular organisations, which were Indigenous projects, really. And I would always say, no, I learned to say, no, that's not my role. I'm not in that space. I cannot do that. But I can be a really good person of the treaty. So I learned that. Before that, I would have thought, you know, maybe I could tell that story or not, but I, I know not to do that. And what I've really come to, and this won't be a surprise, that my role and I think the role of Hitangata Treaty and people in my similar roles need to be able to teach Pākehā, their story of privilege, to really recognise what that was about. So, you know, I, I found that I was, I know I'm privileged, but I had skin in the game at this stage of my career because I understood where that changed. The other thing I find myself doing a lot now is putting on a lens that I can look at and see racism and bias that others just don't see in the smallest of things. And my role is to bring that to somebody's attention. I don't do it in the way that I should do it sometimes because I'm impatient. But it is important that you put those lens on and you understand what you're looking at because it's just like the wallpaper in the staff room. You don't see it anymore. And that's what we find and, and everyone's finding. Well, what is it? Well, we're not sure of our own bias. I talked to you about not demanding of the Te Māori world. Receiving is the tonga that you will be given and bringing, as somebody said in the video, one of the principals, Tamaki, said, you know, you bring something to the table. Yeah, it's not about you. That's the next thing. The rewards that came, and there were many moments of joy. In fact, I almost cried on that Marae day where at the when, when those students got up and performed because we didn't know that was going to happen. It was the, them that took the, they'd done, they'd ticked the box that the ministry had said, you know, we need to get 85% across level two NCA done all that but the kids came to that principal in Tamaki and said can we do stage challenge on the battle that they'd been learning about not just the 12 kids in history but the 85 kids in the school now for me they performed it in front of their elders and they were way more nervous than any NCA exam so this rigor in this stuff anyway the challenge is to take up the paddle get to hoi so this is the last piece, just to share briefly what we've been talking about, what's our insights, what did we learn from that? So I'm going to ask Tifa to, to take you through this slide. We talk about at home, short wakatauki, it goes like this. Kawakara e kōrero motewa, me kōrero kiteawa. 
in essence, it can be described in many ways, but the way I'm going to depict that is to say to you, it is not for us to talk about you, okay? It's for us to talk directly to you. So I don't want to talk about Te Awatupua, the river. I want to be in full capacity to be able to talk to the river directly and I'm saying that because as a way of trying to depict what's noted on the slide it raises a couple of things and probably Pam's description has helped it around two things one the overly intent focus that we have in democracies on the democratization of knowledge and then further to that the commodification of knowledge okay as if it's all available to us because we can and of course not wanting to speak for tangata tiriti but just taking note sometimes we need to think deeply as to when we should be in the space and when we should be observant and thoughtful about the space. In indigenous knowledge and skills, there's a space of ways of knowing, of ways of doing and ways of being that are more likely to be opened and encourage invitation to participate when there is an understanding of conventions of how to be in that space. And one of those is uh, the crown of populist opinion or constitutional or uh, constituency number is not an argument to veto and determine what should happen to indigenous knowledge and skills. Pam mentioned our interest in increasing focus around place-based knowledge, engagement, histories of Aotearoa of New Zealand, not Māori histories, our histories. And like all of us who have touched an elephant at one time, good on you if you have, we don't always know that someone else is touching the elephant somewhere else. And we don't always know what part of the elephant they are talking about. So my interest in understanding the third space is to know that it is a bit of an elephant. And we all got our hands on it. Um, (laughs) But it's helpful when we communicate what we're talking about and why. It's helpful to know that uh, we may not understand what each other is saying, but it's equally helpful to remember that what we decide to do begins to answer the question that was raised in that video clip. Pēhea aku tamariki, pēhea aku mokupuna. How are our children doing with our contributions in our time? What will we leave for them that gives them a firmer foundation for what they must carry 
for a future generation. Okay? That, in essence, is what I captured at the start of my conversation in this presentation. And I will leave that for you to give some thought to. Tanga tiriti, kaya koe tōtikanga, kaya tāku, You have your tikanga, I have mine. Hopefully we find a space where our tikanga has a shared place uh, to do the kind of work that cannot be done by Wamanui alone, by non-Māori alone, and that's a place of privilege in the modern time. And some of us have a responsibility uh, to be called and to give an answer to that. Kia ora, Tifa. We sat down and said, so what did we strengthen? Of course, we're still talking about ourselves here, that, but that's a bit indulgent, but it is important with the work that we keep planning and are doing in Wanganui together. So we know we, we certainly learned to disrupt with greater confidence. We know where and what and how, a bit more about that. We also know that there are patterns in every community and we know the patterns of particular peoples and schools and how they'll think about new ideas. And so that's also really handy when you're planning. Well, we don't intend to be a battle, but when you're planning some sort of disruption of that. So we understood that. In fact, we knew right away that while people put their hands up for Takahu, some were halfway up thinking maybe. And so we, we put them in two groups, Tauihu and the Taurapa, in front and the back, so that people in the back could see what was happening, who was forging the ways on the awa, so they could learn together. So that there's a readiness understanding. I think we know how to, to offset the fast food idea, you know, just give it to us. There's demand for lesson plans. We understand how to respond to it. That was really hard. And it wasn't until we fell into this concept of the third space and understanding how we could respond. And we loved working with the curious who really wanted to take it forward. And there were some huge wins with that. We continue to be partners, and some say would say in crime, but actually <laughs> as a treaty partner in both of our organisations wherever we've been. Kath, in fact, who's going to come to you next, is doing some work in the Rohe, working on what we call a shared lens on learning and equity that is a view for all of our schools of what equity looks like in a classroom interaction, not the, you know, built out of all the things we have in our system, but actually right in close. What's, what, what are kids doing, feeling, saying? What are whānau doing, thinking, saying? What are teachers doing, thinking, saying? And that really sums up where we're trying to get to so that we can not only us navigate this, these, this terrain, but actually our whānau can navigate it because there's a, uh, iwi-driven curriculum, but also an iwi-driven way of being inside classrooms. So that'll be another big challenge, because the schools are their own entities and Crown entities in their own right. We look forward, though, to what's going to happen in the future. I'm just sharing the references. I, I would recommend Alison's latest book that helped me come to realise that you can be Pākehā and Māori, but if you're not in, re in a relationship, you're not really Hitanga to Tiriti. So, if you can come in. Kia ora. Can I just say that I'm extremely pleased that we have this recorded. 
I spend a little bit of uh, time in that space and I'm not biased at all just because my mukapuna are, are growing up there or that my daughter happens to be living in Panganui or that I happen to be privileged enough to walk alongside Takitini Hauwara Kaohiako. Not at all. That is not my bias. All I'm going to say is I'm really looking forward to watching this again. I was all over the place and behind the scenes and took some notes just for something different. And I was reminded particularly with that video clip and Roz Armstrong made a comment in the chat that it was lovely to see so many known faces in that space of the many faces that were in there that have been part and parcel of this. Okay, my first question. Here we go. Not my first question. This comes from Renee Downs. He mihi mai hākia kōroa mahi hirahira. Do you see a place for including the ways of knowing, doing and being of Māori who are not mana whenua of a particular rohe? Short answer is a very simple one. The, the answer is yes. But you know, tāko e mi kawana ki te hohunetanga o te pātai. Nga arawake nei ki a kutikanga ko te akia ki te mana o te tangata o te tamati o te taiohi e roto i neirangi. E pini ana tāko wakaoki. It is important for mana whenua to be good hosts. It's important for those who are not from Mana Whenua to be good manuhiri. Kuira te menui. And uh, we could uh, talk about what that means in quite a lot of depth. We don't have a lot of time in this conversation <laughs> other than to say, if I was to go into your house, the last thing I would do is there to tell you how you should be. Uh, but certainly, when I am visiting your house, I should behave as I should as a visitor. Kapai, Tifa. Lo loving that thinking. Okay, my next question is coming from Carrie Thomas. And if you feel that you've you've already mentioned some of these books, I want to add to it. Please do so. What were the most significant challenges when bringing two different worldviews and ways of being together to create shared goals and understanding? Can you share how you worked through this? And I know we've only got uh, four minutes, and I suspect that part of this you've answered anyway in your delivery, but is there anything top of mind or one particular thing that's jumping out for you? Yeah, removing the notion of being school-centric and the idea that schools are the centre of the universe and they determine what's best for communities. And by that I mean getting ourselves caught up in forgetting that actually we're a means to education provision and that our communities are as difficult as it may be to hear voices on occasion. We have to find our way for the long term. It's not a short-term fix yeah. to just have a, a consultation. Yeah. And part of that for, for us at the moment is that Tefra and I are leading a piece of research on the ending of streaming in the Rohe. Schools are all over the place. And I should say this is primary and secondary and actually early childhood are all over the place. So we're thinking about this from a community point of view, modelling the same way of working and bringing people around the table, collecting the voices and centering those that have, ex have experienced though of, of having been streamed and, and by that we mean being grouped for long periods of time according to whatever ability grouping somebody perceives of them. So Rather than going school by school, which is our normal way of being, we're trying to disrupt that a little bit and, and work this same problem inside that community and that third space 
we need to probably bring more whānau into it, which is why and young people into it, because we think we can increase demand on schools and that. It's not that we're anti-schools, we're just trying to disrupt or rebalance in, in the thinking that we're doing. If it's not new stuff, it's been written about for ages, but doing it, as you say, and that question is damn hard. And so, yeah, just so that schools engaged in this conversation don't uh, misinterpret what's being said, one of our most wonderful supporters and also critical thinkers in the space, very critical of our activities as we were developing what we've been doing, said to us, just remember, schools have their own mana. That was uh, Professor Wally Penny. So we haven't forgotten that. Mm. Going to try and get both these last questions in. I find, from Ngahuia Corbett, I find that Tangata Tiriti are often open to the relationship partnership but the discomfort eventually becomes too much and a lot of time gets spent on making it a more comfortable space for them to be in. That would be right. Um, I agree, again, as uh, Tamaho said, you know, there were standoffs and there were where people had had enough of the push and, you know, we would have to come back in another way. I really did learn some lessons from Tamaho and another of our colleagues from Natiapa who... It, it, it was just the way they went into one board and just was so humble about why they wanted the H or had the H in their language in Wanganui. And because, you know, our schools are all over different places about how they spell their names. And it was the humbleness that I thought won people over. And that's pretty hard for me. <laughs> Most people who know, but it's not, it isn't for Wanganui. I can see it. It's just how they operate and they're different from other iwi groups. But it, it was a great privilege to watch that. It, it worked like that. I only add to that by just saying we still go through pregnancy. So um, we, we're a bit traumatized in some ways, okay? And sometimes that uh, plays out in ways that you don't really want it to, but it happens. Uh, but if we have one thing, it is increasing our maturity about remembering that our intent, what is it that we're doing, is going to support what we're trying to move towards and improve for our tamariki mokopuna. That has to be continually in the forefront. Uh, otherwise, um, we'll, we'll just present traumatised, uh, you know, iwi groups that are um, uh, concerned to get things done yesterday. And uh, we have to acknowledge that sometimes... Uh, time um, is a necessary part of the process. Kia ora. As we wrap up, just, you know, nui ki a kōrua, mō a kōrua, tūranga, kōrero, mō hiotango, i rutu i tēnei rohi, tēnei wā, a ka nui te mihi ki a kōrua. Kia ora. Kia ora. Tēnā koutou, you've been listening to a Core Education Tātai Ahorau podcast.